My name is Lloyd Ford, and I am with Rainmaker Pathway Consulting Works. We help local broadcasters make more money by being an affordable programming partner who can fully develop the right position for your local brand or brands, coach your morning show, and other talents, design and execute station architecture, provide weekly music updates, and even produce your daily music logs if needed, provide excellent voice trackers, sales, and promotional ideas that move the needle on revenue. We are confidential and market exclusive for radio. If you got a question, a problem, something that you would like to get off your chest, you can reach out anytime, F-O-R-D at RainmakerPathway.com. Today's live event will be a podcast called The Encouragers, the Radio Rally Podcast, and it will become available soon after the end of this live event, wherever you get your podcast. Our thanks to Joe Kelly for producing our podcast events and JustJoeProductions.com for creating our audio footprint and distributing them. Of course, you can meet our guests live on the Clubhouse app or subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss a thing. We have two dose, two podcasts, the Encouragers Innovation and Audio podcast and the Encouragers the Radio Rally podcast. And both, both are on Apple, Audible, Spotify, and almost anywhere you get your podcast. So what is about to happen on this live event? March 21st, 2022, Troy McCollum is the program director, content creator of Boom, 97.3 Toronto. Before we get started with Troy in a moment, I've got a couple things to share with you. Number one, next week on Monday on the radio rally, we have a real treat. March 28, 2022, Jeffrey Walensky, the director of federal and national sales. And you'll learn more about that next week if you tune in. He is with WTOP in Washington, DC. If you don't know, uh, gee whiz, they are the number one billing radio station in North America by like 35 or $40 million a year. That's correct. Maybe he'll tell us how he does it. You want some tips? Next Monday night, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, right here on the Clubhouse app and the Radio Rally. We do encourage sellers, sales managers, and market managers. April 14th, we're launching our very next exclusive radio sales live event. Our Q2 event will be free on your smartphone for market managers, sales managers, and local radio sellers. We're calling it Getting Higher Sales Now in a Crowded Market. It comes at a most appropriate time, too. You're going right into that heavy time of year where you must hit your numbers. This event will feature sales consultant Alec Drake from Drake Media Group and both Dave Deutsch, who is the president of Midwest Family, and Brian Maloney, who is the vice president of Capital Broadcasting. These are two powerful real live on the ground experts in their individual markets developing revenue and they are going to share with you directly how you can boost not only your Q2 but your remaining 2022 revenue. April 14th, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific on the Clubhouse app. Of course, we have guests every week on the Radio Rally. You can see our full guest calendar all the way into, gosh, I guess it's May or June now in our free blog section at RainmakerPathway.com. That's also where you're going to find encouragement for on-air and promotions with more than live and local and more encouragement for local radio sellers of all kinds with our Encouraging Sales Success Series, as well as free resources for anyone in the radio business today. We don't lock away anything on our site the way some consultants do. You know why we do that? Because we feel like giving you lots of free resources gives you a little bit of an idea of what it's like for us to hang out and be your partner. And we're looking for partners for Rainmaker Pathway. That's right. We love helping local radio. You can go anytime to RainmakerPathway.com, find out even more of what you can get for free from us. Please do follow the people on the stage and in our group tonight and look around the room, uh, see people you can connect with as well, because we do encourage every person in a broadcast career to promote their own networking and connect with others in our industry regularly. Today's guest is Troy McCollum. He is the program director and content correct, uh, 
creator for Boom 97.3 Toronto. And yes, I do get excited every time I say that brand name. We're going to talk about that a little bit too. Troy began his radio career at 16 as an operator at CKNX. Wingham, a graduate. Uh, he graduated from, now, you know, all this is going to be a little foreign to me, so you're just going to have to not be so judgmental with me. Fanshawe College, London, Ontario in 1990. Then he headed west like John Mayer with his headphones on. And of course, the past 30 plus years, he's worked small, medium and large markets in Alberta, British Columbia and Ontario. And of course, half of his career has been spent in Toronto at Mix 99.9 and 97.3 Easy Rock, which evolved into Boom 97.3. In seven years, his positions grew from a swing announcer to program director of Boom 97.3. And of course, uh, since becoming the program director in 2014, the station has been a top three performer repeatedly with adults 2554, and I think we all know what that means. Fall of 2014, Troy was also an instructor at Humber College teaching radio programming as a part of their broadcast, their radio broadcasting course. Radio is his absolute passion. That's exactly what has led us to invite him to be our guest right now. Troy, please welcome to the Encouragers and the Radio Rally. How are you, sir? I'm good. Thank you, Lloyd. I appreciate the ask to be part of this. I'm excited. Any chance to talk about radio, man? I'm in. Well, you, we're going to do that. And and man, I can hardly contain myself about this Boom 97.3. Whose idea was Boom 97.3? And is that as cool as I think it is? <laughs> well, uh, yes, it is cool. And as far as the idea, I believe it goes back. I, I don't, I can't absolutely pinpoint exactly who came up with the idea yeah. i was only uh uh what was i at, at that point probably senior swing so i hadn't quite achieved the goal or the position of assistant program director but i believe rob farina was instrumental in helping uh, get that puppy rolling well let's say this so you were the swing guy did you get excited when you saw this branding being unveiled you know boom there absolutely. It is. Absolutely. I, the, the, there's one thing you got to do in radio is when a format, when a station's about to change format, even if you aren't excited, you're freaking excited, man. Um, <laughs> no, but look, but look, this <laughs> thing has been really successful and, and there had to be a buzz in the building before there was a buzz on the street. Right. I, you know what? It's kind of weird. I don't remember the, the buzz so much. Um, it's, I, it's like, you know, anything, if a station's going to be switching formats, it's obviously hush, hush for a while. Right. Uh, and then, and then the cats let out of the bag. I, to be honest, I, because I wasn't that instrumental at that time as part of the programming. Um, right. I think I was kind of left in the shadows to a certain degree until, until I was told that, Hey, you're going to be the evening announcer. And I'm like, oh my God, finally a, a, a day part in Toronto is something I've always wanted to do. Well, so, I don't think people know how hard you've worked and how you've worked your way up through this thing, but we're going to talk about it a little bit. I want to start with the first moment that you thought, hey, I want to be in radio. What, what happened to you, Troy? Because well, it was helped to all of us, right? Yeah. This, this is kind of a two-parter. I, I, I realized that I think my my early thoughts of being in radio happened when I was around eight or nine. Um, but I'll get to that. Remind me if I don't. Okay. Or or no shit. I'll do it now. Anyway. Oops. Sorry. I swear. Are you okay? No, with it's that? one of my favorite things. That oh radio my god. People go right to that word. <laughs> I am I am Captain F bomb, but I'll try and uh, keep myself sane here. Um, we'll a friend. Be <laughs> a friend of mine uh, in high school somehow managed to get a cassette tape of, of that I had of me when I was eight years old pretending to be a DJ. So I had one of those little Hitachi boom boxes that had a tape deck in it, and you could switch the microphone over from radio to cassette. So I would 
I would uh, record the song, and as I knew that the announcer was about to come on, I'd switch it over to the microphone, and I'd extra the song, and then I'd switch it back in time, and sure enough, they'd be in commercials. So that was my sure. first dem- demo at eight years. Of- I don't know where the tape is, though, and it's driving me crazy. I'd, I'd love to hear how terrible it is. No, but- I'm, sure, I'm sure it's better than you remember. <laughs> yeah, well, that remains to be seen. So I took an aptitude test in high school. Um, right around grade mm, 10, 10 or 11. Now, where are you what going you, to high school? Norwell District Secondary School in Palmerston, Ontario. Okay. Uh, it's a, I grew up in a, in a small town, farming community, and so on and so forth. So, yeah, I think there was about 900 people in my high school. Uh, so, you know, I got to that point where I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to go to college soon. What would I like to do? So I took this aptitude test and... One of the uh, one of the results came out as DJ, radio DJ, and I've always loved music. My I grew up listening to music, singing along to songs with my dad in the truck, you know, as we traveled down side roads and so on and so forth. And you know, he'd always play uh, some of the classic, you know, Pink Floyd. I distinctly remember falling asleep to Pink Floyd, "Dark Side of the Moon," with a with a haze of smoke coming from the kitchen. My bedroom. Ah, your there, dad so. was a rocker. Oh, uh, yeah. So I, no wonder I had some rather interesting dreams as a kid. But right. uh, <laughs> I, I just loved music. And I had the ability all through high school to be able to identify a song within seconds of it starting to play on the radio. And I thought, you know what? Shit, that sounds fun. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll try for radio. So I applied at CKNX in Wingham, Ontario. And uh, I got in as an operator, so I was working at night, running voice tracks on reel-to-reel, and playing spinning vinyl and uh, and slapping in carts and so on and so forth. And that was a real buzz. Uh, I never got on air, but I I said to Lisa Brandt, the boss of FM 102 at the time, that you know I'd like to get into college, and if I get a st- a job at a radio station, it'll better my chances. And sure enough, it did. So that was my my first real kick at the can when I was 16. Which is really interesting because I'm sure that early on that involves some nerves, you know, because you may not be, you may have a speaking role, but boy, you screw things up and it's going to be very noticeable. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was it was a little nerve wracking, but it was also exhilarating. All right. So let's get serious. When we talk to somebody about the beginning of their radio career, I always secretively, or maybe not as secretively, want to know, what did their parents do for work? What about yours? Well, my dad had a very cool job. Oh. He he was a transportation driver for the IATSE film industry in Toronto, Hollywood North. So oh. he drove movie stars around in his, what you would think, a limo. No, there were minivans. Um, right. So I would visit movie sets with him. I, mean, I think the first one I ever visited was Three Men and a Baby. And he would tell me these crazy stories of how him and Ted Danson were smoking a joint in the back lot and, you know, shooting the shit and stuff like that. And, I'd, I'd, you know, I I'd visited many movie sets through my teen years. And Your dad's very home. progressive. <laughs> yes. Well, he was then, but oh, I see. Uh, I see. Yeah, he'd, he'd drive home props like the tow truck from the Adventures in Babysitting, and you know, and, and and buses that Carol Burnett that he taught her how to drive, and so on and so forth. What? So he had, all, yeah, he had all these super crazy cool stories. Now wait a minute. What about you though? Did you, as a kid, did you get to meet anybody famous? Oh, I've met a lot of, yeah, yeah, I've met some famous people. I, one, a, a highlight in particular for me was, uh, oh, God, why can't I remember his name? Now I'm on Always the spot. Always when you're put on the spot. Tom, right? There we go. I got it. Tom Skerritt. I was, I was a big Alien fan. Ah. And Tom Skerritt uh, was obviously uh, the captain of uh, Nostromos, I believe it was. Mm. Um, and when I got a chance to meet him, it was a cold night, and I hopped in the minivan, and there's Tom Skerritt sitting down. He goes, Troy, come in, in, come on, come on. Your dad tells me all about you. And he sla- puts his arm around me, slaps me on the shoulder, and I'm just like, holy shit, man, this is well, Tom you felt Skerritt. like a rock star, didn't you? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I've, I've you know, I've uh, one of the other cool things, I was on set for, uh, I was an extra 
when we eventually moved to Toronto. I did extra work and, and worked in radio a little bit too. And I was transport driver between radio gigs. But I we were babysitting Janine Garofalo's dog while she was working on a set on a movie with um, Tall Guy. I'm, I can't believe I'm blanking on these names. Anyway. Uh, put you on the spot, you know. Yeah, no, it's it's all good. Well, I, you know, the question everybody wants to know was her dog nice? Yes, it was a very nice dog. My wife actually babysat the dog. She was working in in uh, security and uh, production a little bit on the side, so she babysat the dog while I drove transport and did some extra work. And and uh, Janine, we were at lunch one day, and and I sat down at the table and I said, "Hey, Janine, we're babysitting your dog," and she. Oh my God, that's so great. And then fast forward a month later, I'm an extra on a set for Superstar. And Janine Garofalo's friends with the director and she's walking across the field towards the director's area. And she sees me sitting on the lawn and she comes over and sits down and chats with me. And, you know, at this time I'm sitting by myself and I was kind of a loner. And there was these other group of extras that were there that were you know, talking about how they're going to be the next big thing, so on and so forth. And I was kind of a loner. And after Janine left, oh, they all came flying over. How do you know her? What? Oh, what's yeah. going on? And it was anyway, and very that, funny. And that is the moment in which other people thought you were a rock star the first time, right? <laughs> so listen, I, 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 I guess like, so. I feel like your dad is this very progressive guy. Were your parents supportive of this idea of radio? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they, they, uh, I was the first one in the family to graduate high school and then let alone go to college. And they're very, they're very salt of the earth, honest, hardworking people. We did, we weren't rich by any means, but they saved up the money. And so I wouldn't have to have a student loan and they paid for my college. And so I figured, yes, of course I'm going to party, but I'm also going to do well in radio so I can make them proud and at least they'll get their money's worth. So I was responsible, believe it or not, at age 19, 20. And certainly in case anyone listens to this, you want them to feel you were responsible, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, oh. so listen, when you found your way into the radio business for real, did you want to program right away? Was that in, on your mind? Did you, did you want to do mornings? What was the dream for you? Well, I actually, <clears throat> excuse me, the, uh, the program, the radio program I took at Fanshawe, uh, I was, it was a two-year program. And the first year was do everything, learn what you can. Second year is you focus on uh, things that you like. So I focused on programming and on air. And I was actually the program director of our college radio station for the second year. But So that was fun. I was a bit of a leader. I was respected by my peers. And so that was kind of cool, and it was a great experience. And I remember the prof, and I'm sure they say this to every student that does it, but he said it's the it's the best sounding the station has ever sounded, yada yada. So I'm like, oh, that's cool. But I got a I I wanted to be on air. I wanted to be a I wanted to be a jock. Uh, I enjoyed that part of it. I thought it would be way too early to get into programming, so I just uh, bided my time, I guess. Hmm. And d you did your time, right? Oh, yeah. Speaking of that, you did a country show in the last part of the 20th century. That sounds so ominous to say that way, doesn't it? <laughs> yes. In the last part of the 20th century. Back in the day. Yes, they had a show called Crying, Lovin' or Leaving. But they were different in all different parts of, of our country, for sure, in the U.S. I'm sure it might be the same there. What kind of show was your Crying, Lovin' or Leaving? I got the gig uh, because... Elvira, who was the host of it, went on maternity leave, so I was to fill in, but she never came back. So, hmm. excuse me, I... Uh, they fall in I, love with those little people, you know. Yeah, well, it was uh, it was interesting because, and I, it's funny because I never realized this at the time, but I was amongst some very big names in Canadian radio from the heydays of the 80s and 90s. Um, interesting. One guy in particular was Shotgun Tom Rivers, um, yeah. And Tom Rivers had a had a morning show on CFTR in Toronto, and he was like the Howard Stern back in the day in Toronto. He was crazy. He was a wild man. He was unpredictable. He was a madman. Yeah. And and he worked. He did the I think he did the the rock 
or the pop station. There was a cluster, there was country, there was pop, and there was easy listening, and there was rock. So there was four, I believe, satellite radio stations at Pelmerex Radio Network that went across the country on different formats. So I was doing country, and, and Shotgun Tom was doing, I think, the pop or the rock. And he would give me a ride home at night. Oh, and, no kidding. Yeah, because I, I had to take the bus and a couple of subways to get from Toronto to Mississauga. And he would give me a ride at home at night in his, uh, in his pickup truck with his smoking his stinky cigars, wearing his coveralls and his cowboy hat. I and swear, I thought, I thought you were going to say he was smoking a joint. I was like, whoa, <laughs> that's twice now. <laughs> yeah, no. He, uh, and I, I didn't really realize who he was, which is ridiculous to say because I was in radio. But until until years later, and I'm like, holy shit, I just I hung out with one of the biggest broadcasters in Canada several nights a week. He'd give me a ride home. And I and it wasn't until like 10 plus years later that the the actual magnitude of that really hit home. So what were those rides like? Was he very accessible? Was he fun? Was he what was he like? He was a great guy. I, I don't remember the conversations per, per se exactly. I think yeah, I might you, have been. You remember, you know what people say. It's not it's not what you do. It's how you make people feel. He, yeah. he made you feel good, apparently, right? He. I, this is the thing. I'm this 20, young 20-year-old 20 amongst these 40, 50-year-olds. Uh, yeah. You know, Tom Rivers, Lee Marshall, Bill Hayes. These guys have all been in radio for years, and I'm just this new wet under the wet, you know, wet under the nose. Is that the way they say it? Uh, punk, think. you know, uh, uh, wet behind the ears. There we go. Um, I didn't know much about radio. This was literally my fourth or fifth gig, first time being across Canada, youngest broadcaster, I think, to have a satellite radio show. Wow! And and they they took. Uh, they kind of took me under their arm a little bit, and and it was great. So they, uh, you know, I, I I looked at I look at that now, and I'm like, that was pretty awesome. I was very lucky to be able to, and and grateful to be able to have an opportunity like that. And Troy, you're kind of that guy now, right? right? I mean, <laughs> I mean, you know, and we don't ever think that kind of stuff, right? You're going to your job every day, and you're doing your job, but really, to to a lot of people, you don't know what your image looks like to them, right? Yeah. So I love this about you. A lot of radio pros talk about the importance of storytelling, right? We're storytellers. We we communicate things sometimes that other people wish they could communicate to. They listen to the radio and boom, there it is. There's that word again. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, <laughs> listen, you were a director, a producer, and an actor with readers theater productions. Is this true? Tell us how that came to be and what you learned from that experience. Well, I, when I, in one of my, what was it? My uh, third radio gig, I worked in Terrace, British Columbia, way up North. And I wanted to better my commercial reads and the way to do that. So I had read or understood was to get into acting or take a little bit of acting. So I, I, could see I, that. I signed up to the local theater in Terrace and got a part in a play. Uh, George F. Walker, A Lie of the Mind. I was a cop. It was a not a big part, but it was a good enough part. And yeah. I loved it. I, I had never done theater before. And I thought, oh, my God, this is amazing. I, I, you know, it just it totally took me away. I got the acting bug. Um, I did TV while I was there as well, a little bit of TV. And then I did theater and I was on the morning show and I was trying to trying to do as much much as I could to get as much experience and and get my name out there. Anyway, the acting the acting bug took over, and I it's so much to the point that I thought that's it. I'm given two months notice. I'm quitting my job, and I'm going to BC to pound the pavement and become you know the next (laughs) the next Brad Pitt. Wait Um, a minute. Wait a minute. You're like I'm gonna have my dad drive me around. You don't understand. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, All right. You know. So I just I just. I, and then I was down to, after two months of that, I had a hundred bucks left. My car broke down and I was oh. in my, uh, living at my cousin's place in the, you know, sleeping in the bunk beds of his kids. You were kids an actor. In there. <laughs> yeah. So I did a little, uh, leap of faith and I'm not religious by any means, but I said, Hey man, if you're out there, you got to throw me a bone. I got a hundred bucks. My car is on its last legs. You know, and then literally three days later, I had three job offers all in radio 
and one of them was in Kelowna. So interesting. Kelowna, BC. So I took the job and radio, and then I still had the acting bug. I was doing theater there. But then I thought, I want to take matters into my own hands, and I want to direct my own thing. So I came up with this concept, Reader's Theater, where it was uh -huh. basically four actors uh, with, the, with the script tree, I guess, if you will, a music stand. And they had the, the play in front of them. So we would, read the, we would read the story, but act it out with our voices. And I had a Celtic harpist, some 14-year-old kid who played the harp. And we did Alice's Adventures in Wonderland and the Happy Prince. And it was in, in, the, in the art gallery. They lent me the space for free. I, I hooked up with a, uh, an iron worker or an iron artist. And he made these elaborate gates uh, as a backdrop. And it was just basically four of us with a musician reading out loud plays, bringing it to life. And it was fun. And I, I did that. I did another one with uh, a Christmas Carol a few years later, but it was, I liked it. It was a chance to, you know, direct my uh, fellow actors, try something that had never been done before that I knew of. I'm sure it has old time radio. That was my actual inspiration. I wanted to do old time radio live in front of a, an audience, but without the microphones or recording it. Do you feel like this helped you later in your broadcast career? Certainly, it has something powerful associated with creativity. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's I think so. Absolutely. Like, I, I'm a details guy. So, you know, I really wanted everything to I even reached out at that time. Uh, Beanie Babies were big at McDonald's and I had they had swans and and different caterpillars i think and something so i handed those out to the kids because alice alice in wonderland had all those things so just little things like that yeah. um but it's just it was a it was a great opportunity to try my first hand i guess at at being a director or, or a leader of a troupe well you know i am in knoxville tennessee which is a little bit south of you and most of I, I don't know if I could say most of our audience on our podcast is from the U.S., but probably that's true. Uh, we don't know as much about Canada, except it's this vast territory, right? What are the differences in radio in the different places that you've worked? Uh, well, I've, as you mentioned earlier, I've done small and uh, medium and major markets, and right. uh, every market has its, has its little uh, nuances. Um, I made sure that Wherever I went, I explored the area. So, you know, when I was in Terrace, BC, I went up to the Yukon and I and I drove up mountain roads and went hiking and, and saw, you know, bald eagles swooping down in the river, grabbing salmon and grizzly bears swatting them. And then when I was in uh, Alberta, I went to the Badlands and experienced that. So, you know, every you got to you got to learn the, the, the customs or the landmarks of all these different markets that you're going to. Hey man, show prep is everywhere. Yeah. To to relate to the audience as best as you can, because I'm this Ontario guy and they have this thing or they, I don't know if they still do. I'm sure they do. But, you know, they they don't like Easterners coming to the Western stations to take our jobs. And I would just say, well, if you Westerners knew how to do your jobs, you wouldn't have oh. Easterners here. So, oh, Mr. Popular. That, yeah, that, yeah, that went over really well. But I would yeah. always say it in jest and, you know, they'd punch me in the arm. And I could, I could just see it now. I can see the next part of this story is I never learned what happened to my car. <laughs> yeah, right. exactly. So, listen, you know, down south in the U.S., we have the W's and the K's. Y'all have all those interesting call letters. Can you school us a little bit on the interesting call letters and especially the station names? Because I think y'all have some really creative names. I am uh, useless when it comes to call letters unless the station is a call letter. Um, like our competition, CHFI and CHUM, like those are their call letters. And right. because they're legendary and historic and, you know, they, sure. they've been around for 40 plus years. Um, but if it's if it's called Jack, Bob, Frank, Rewind or, or Boom, I have no idea what the call letters are unless it's my boom. So, uh, but yeah, we've got some, I mean, and you've got them too. You've got, uh, you know, uh, the wolf and, and drive and all these different. Yeah. But none of them seem like boom though. Come on. <laughs> well, I, I love, I love the name boom. And I do too, several, because you know, it's, 
when you're watching TV or you're listening to people talk, they always say boom. So it's it's basically they're advertising for us, which right. they don't know they are. And they really aren't. They're just using the damn word. But it's a word that's used a lot. So I like it. And it, and, and when they when you use the word boom, it's exciting. It's shocking. It's new. It's it like something. Yeah. It's it's an exclamation mark. It's, it's emotive. Yes. Yeah. So, I, you know, I think the name should deliver some insight as to what the station is all about. And boom is unpredictable. Boom is exciting. Boom is, like I said, an exclamation mark. And you, uh, it's just a fun word. One so, of the things that I try to do with my clients uh, at radio is try. To, well, first, first, we start by asking the question, where does your money come from? I know you've never heard that in the radio business. <laughs> uh, but but number two, we really focus in on trying to give the radio station a one word, this is what we're about. Not a sentence, not a positioning statement. We get to all that, of course, but one word that stands for what this is and what this can mean in that community. And I feel like, you know, boom, that's, uh, you're, you immediately have an emotive accelerator, if you will. Mm -hmm. Yep. So let's let's talk about something a little bit different. Are you heavily involved on the digital side of radio? Uh, I, I guess it depends on what you mean by heavily and how digital. <laughs> um, I, uh, you know, I, I, I manage our social media sites, mm -hmm. uh, manage our website. And by that, I mean, like, I, I have to approve everything, obviously, that goes on the website. And, and I monitor the social media's uh, accounts that we have to make sure that, you know, nobody's slagging us, or if they are, I answer it immediately. Um, so I'm very heavily involved in that. I create content for them as well. Uh, digital, we have uh, a, a program that I created called Behind the Vinyl on Ooh. YouTube is now a podcast, as well as a YouTube channel. So uh, I, I write the episodes for the Behind the Vinyl, which are three ninety percent taken care of with the content already. I'm just the intro, extra, and coming up guy. But right. I organize it, and uh, I take the episodes that we have, and I try to match them. And 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 uh, we do three episodes per episode because each uh, segment of Behind the Vinyl is about a three to five minute video so we take the audio from that and repro repurpose it for the podcast so oh, that's interesting that's about and, as heavily evolved as i get with digital and uh, but your company sells digital or is canadian radio as smitten with the digital as we are in the u.s yeah we have a we have a digital uh a digital i guess uh what is it uh what's department the looking yeah um we've 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 hooked up with another brand, and forgive me because I feel like an idiot when it comes to this stuff because I'm not that involved with it. Um, but yes, there's a. They would. I'm trying to remember the name. The name of the company. Uh, and again, I'm blanking. I'm on the spot. Well, but you have a partner, is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. There's a team of people that, when the salespeople sell ads, they say, "Would you like to uh, do digital?" And then they say, yep. And then they create these banner ads and big box ads and create impressions and so on and so forth. A whole bunch of stuff that I don't really know much about. <laughs> you do the creative radio side for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's I'm, interesting uh, that you're doing podcasts. Do you like doing podcasts? Oh, yeah. It's fun. It's just an extension of the brand. That's right. Um, uh, I love being a guest on podcasts. I don't, I don't per se have a podcast. I create the podcast and write the podcast. And after it's written, I give it to my producer and I get my morning show host to voice it. I say, here you go, guys, go work your magic. They produce it. They give me the finished copy. I listen to it and then I hand it to our, uh, it or not it, but, uh, our web department, Ryan, Dude, you got some lucky people right there. They're there. They have you to write the show. Oh God. And lay Don't it out. For them. I mean, do they have any idea how fortunate <laughs> they are? Uh, you know, I, I like to lead by example and, and I, and I'm, I'm also one of those guys that is like, do it yourself because you know it's going to get done, which sometimes is the bane of my existence because I do, I do a lot. 
um, right. because I want to make sure that the brand, everything on the website is written by me pretty much. Everything mm -hmm. on the socials, I get the final check. It's just, Boom is very much a reflection of my personality. So I want to make sure that everything's on brand, that it makes sense as much as possible, but I'm finding that my time and attention to things is I'm having to pass a lot on, which is fine, but I do have final say. So, you know, it's, it's fun. I appreciate it. And I'm not complaining by any means, but it just, it makes for a, a long day and a very busy one. Well, there's but a lot I, going on. Yeah. And I've got a great team and they get my sense of ha ha and they know what the brand is all about. Like I am so blessed with such a, a talented and, uh, and passionate team that, you know, and I just, I just lead them. I just uh, nudge them here and there and say, you know, maybe try this, do this. Uh, you know, this is great. I like to encourage. I like to inspire. I like to innovate and create. I actually love that you're so deeply involved with anything that touches the brand. I certainly think that's a sign of a great programmer. Uh, do you have specific priorities for each of your on-air talent when it comes to their social media? Well, I, I just actually gave them shit about a week ago for not, I said, can somebody help me out here with posting stuff on the socials rather than it just being me 90% of the time. I, I, when I write emails, you know, you, you hearing me say that now you think, boy, what an asshole, but you know, uh, they get my sense of sarcasm and humor and they know, you know, they, they, I wear my heart on the sleeve. So they know when I'm in a bad mood or when I'm in a happy mood and I'm in a happy mood 90% of the time. But well, certainly they know you care about the brand and you care oh, yeah. about them. And they care, too. And, and it's yeah. good. And I just got to, you know, give a little kick in the ass every now and again. And and then they're they're back, they're back in the game. By the but, way, I, I don't feel bad about anything you're saying. If anything, you remember at the very top of this podcast or the, the live event itself, I said that we're always a lot closer to each other than we think we are. And you're just proving it. Yeah. So it's the same as it is in the U.S. You have to get behind people and go, okay, come on. Can you, here's what I'm looking for. Can you just be involved? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, and in all, in all fairness, I should say, because I, I noticed that our social media, our, our Facebook page in particular was getting a little, you know, if I saw, I, I basically sent out a note a while ago. If I see a, a meme, what's your elf name or what's your freaking leprechaun name? I am going to lose it. I don't want to see anything that doesn't have to do with the brand on Facebook. I want people sorry, to come to us. Wait a minute. Leprechauns are not a part of your brand. <laughs> right? Well, you know, those are cat memes, you know, that has nothing to do wait, wait, with classic hits music. Right. Do you sometimes find yourself going, OK, I want to know what you were drinking when you did this? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, and everybody was doing it, but I had to pull the reins in. And I think I, I made them a little gun shy. They're like, well, well, what the hell can I post? I'm like, well, there's there's millions of sites out there that are that have stuff about, you know, what our audience likes and what well, our audience and, grew up. And with. I am I am going to tell you something. People will gravitate to the easiest thing for them to do. And I'm mm -hmm. sorry cat photos and i haven't thought about leprechauns but it's just because somebody on your staff is so damn creative okay that <laughs> they thought you know leprechauns and classic hits that's that those things go together somehow yeah unless it's so, bono dressed up as a leprechaun then i'll then i'll accept it so next week you're going to have nothing but bono leprechauns <laughs> you yeah. know this right yeah, yeah. so let's talk about you and music and do you have a favorite format well, I'm I'm one of those guys that when I'm working in the format, I am all about the format. So yes. it's obviously classic hits. But I grew up listening to all sorts of classic hits. So I get it honestly. Like I was a fan of, I I hung out with metalheads and and new wavers and uh, you know punk rockers, I guess if you will. The, my my friend span in high school was long hairs, short hairs, and, and shaved heads, and you know, and just the waiver cuts and stuff. So, I I loved Peter Gabriel, Genesis, ACDC, you know, all of that stuff yeah. when I was a kid. And now and I'm look, it's coming back. Right? right. And and now I'm working in it. So So listen, tell us about Boom 973. Who? 
What, can what I do we tell know about Boom? What what do what can I do? Boom is Boom is all about taking you back to the day uh, when you were in high school, when when you heard a song for the first time, and of course back in the eighties the music was huge. It was. Um, and, and that's what we're all about. We're about evoking memories. We're an escape. We don't get political, or we try not to, but we, we, we want to be there to help you remember those times and to just kind of lose yourself in the moment and the music and be as irreverent, um, nothing too serious. We're, like I said, we're not political. We're not religious. We're just we're right. just there to have fun, and we're all about the listener experience. There's no other station, and I and I, honest to God, can say this other than maybe a talk radio station that has as many listeners on the on the air on the station as possible. Like, if you listen for an hour, you're going to hear at least four or five IDs per hour that have a listener in them. You're going to hear the jocks talking to listeners. Out of if they got five breaks an hour, there's probably going to be three of those breaks have a listener in them. Are your um, phones hot and heavy? Or oh yeah, yeah, oh, really? Absolutely. I I have been, and I don't want to let the cat too much out of the bed. Well, what the hell? Um, when social media came in, everybody was all about, hey, I'm having this conversation on Facebook with Jesse, and Jesse says this, or hey, we mm -hmm. just got a tweet from Cynthia, and Cynthia was telling us this and that and the other thing, and I'm like. Okay, that's great, but don't forget about the phones. The phones right. have been here since forever. So the phones are a great way to, A, finish a break and have the listener say something completely un unsuspecting and, and hilarious. So and, and it's our audience. You're letting our audience take the mic. I want it to sound like... You're on the air, but you're talking to somebody on the phone and you're just you're just about to say you're going to say to the person, listen, I got to do a break, but stay with me here because I'm going to include you in that break so you can be part of the conversation. So then as a listener, you're listening to the station and the jocks doing their bit. And then all of a sudden a, a listener comes in and interjects and then the jock comes back and so on and so forth. So I want it to sound like they're it's like a party line. They're basically. part of the conversation, right? Yeah, all the time. All the time. And so we feel like there was a drop off when social media became white hot or do Canadians just love getting on the phone? Well, I think it depends on the conditioning of the listening audience. Thank you. Expectation, right? Right. Yeah. I'm a big believer in that. Listen, do you have a mentor? Uh, have you had a mentor? If so, can you give an, an example of how this person might have changed your personal or professional life? Well, there's a few people that I guess I would consider a mentor, even though I've never really said it to them. Um, right. Pat, Pat Holliday uh, used to work for the Big Eight in mm -hmm. Detroit many moons ago. He was a general manager at our station when I was working at Mix 99.9, which is now Virgin Radio. Right. But uh, I found him to be a very well-respected and super nice guy. So he's he's kind of a mentor of mine. And Pat and I are, are friends on Facebook and we chat periodically. Um, but we have a mutual respect, which is phenomenal. Well, it's uh, great to have that lever that you can pull and go, OK, I got uh, this going on. What does this look like to you? Yeah. Yeah. I, I know I could reach out to Pat and I trust his opinion. So, you know, and then there's probably my most recent uh, mentor. There's a, another. Well, actually, there's a couple more. Mark Burley was a. Uh, is a broadcaster from the Okanagan Valley in BC. Um, and I didn't know Mark that well. I'd just see him at functions and so on and so forth. And we kind of hit a, struck it off very well. Uh, he's been in the business a lot longer than I have. So I kind of respected him. He'd always clean up at the awards shows every year. And I'm mm. like, yeah, shit, I want to be like that. That's awesome. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, and then most recently, uh, here's, a, here's a name that might ring a bell, Chris Ebbett. Oh, yeah. who is uh, in Los Angeles. And right. he came in as Boom's program director uh, when we first became Boom. And Chris was fresh out of Los Angeles, never been to Canada before. Uh, I don't know how they found him, but obviously they did. And he, Chris just really opened up my eyes about clutter. 
you know, you'd say oh. things like, why are we sponsoring the weather forecast? Who the frick cares about the weather forecast being sponsored? That ends now. And we're like, you had a oh, perfect sh- opportunity to use your favorite curse word and you chose frick instead. No, I know. Well, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm new to this audience. So uh, <laughs> right. believe me, once, once I unleash wait, the wait. Fox, it's there's no holds barred, man. <laughs> right. You just slow roll it in, right? <laughs> okay, listen, uh, you know, this may not be a big question for you, but people will ask because, look, if you talk about something in color, they want to know about black and white. If you talk about something red, they want to know about something green. Have you ever had a desire to work in U.S. radio? When I was younger, yes, absolutely. I uh, I wanted to be a big star. I wanted to be the Howard Stern. My, my broadcasting class in Fanshawe, we had, I think it was three or four hours a week. Uh, Gary O'Brien was the professor. He was an American. Um, and he would... <laughs> the class just all the class was was sitting there listening to radio and it was basically a lot of stern so you know and this is early 90s stern yeah so, that wouldn't twist you too much mm. no not at all so you know that was so much fun just listening to the different radio and the big radio stations what's so I, that really gave me the fever what's changed for you that this is not maybe something that you think about anymore um, I got older and and I and I, when I was in college, they said, you know, you got to get out, you got to travel, you got to see the country. So I'm like, OK, so the first job I had uh, outside of CKNX Wingham was uh, in, in Medicine Hat, Alberta. And I, here I am, 19, 20 years old, whatever. I drove across Canada by myself in my Volvo. I got halfway there and almost turned around because I was so scared. But I. I persevered and I went for it and Interesting. And, and I loved it. And so and then I went from I went from the driest place in Canada to the wettest place in Canada, which was Terrace, B.C., mountains and eagles and grizzly bears and all sorts of shit like that. And I just started discovering how freaking beautiful this country is and oh, what it yeah. has to offer and meeting the people. And because I was alone and I would and I didn't have any family members wherever I was going, I had to meet people and reintroduce myself and talk about myself to them. And as I would talk about myself to them, I would discover things about myself right. uh, and so on and so forth. And the more people that I met and the more places I went to. And then I just like, I'm like, well, you know, we got health care. We got, I can go over wherever the hell I want. I feel safe here. It's a beautiful country. Uh, my family lives in Canada. You know, and then the novelty kind of wore off and I'm and, oh. and I'm I'm very happy, you know, but I understand the United States pays a shit ton more for radio. <laughs> Is that true? Well, wow, that's good that's uh, interesting to know for sure. Well, you know, by the way, where you are. That whole traveling across the country thing, we have something similar in the US. Uh, it's a really old book by a really old writer who's gone now, has been gone for many years, the name John Steinbeck. And the book is called Travels with Charlie. I'd be interested for you to read that book and see if, you know, you saw a similarity with yourself. You know, he traveled across the country in a, in a camper with a dog named Charlie. Hmm. And uh, all of his people said, you're this world famous writer and people recognize you everywhere. He said, 48 states, zero recognition anywhere. He's a writer, yeah. right? Yeah. So let's talk about the future a little bit. We always like to do that with our guest. And, you know, what do you feel the best future for radio and specifically radio air talent is today? How do we All get right. to a great future for us? Well, let me let me pull up my soapbox because this is uh, let's this have is it. something. This is something I go on tangents about. <laughs> That's all right with me. I think, um, you know, here I, I, I sometimes whine about it, and I'm sure there's people in the industry right now that, that do whine about it. Having to do so much and wear so many hats. Uh, and, uh, you know, and I, this, this all goes back to when I was in Medicine Hat, Alberta. My first actual out-of-college radio station, uh, I was for a month, and then I was offered to work in Toronto. And I'm like, Wow. Okay, I'm a month out of college and now I'm being offered the biggest market in Canada. And the money was the same as what I was making where I was in Medicine Hat. It was an overnight it was an overnight show in Toronto. But there was two things. I didn't want to do overnights. 
And then the other thing is I wanted to learn as much as I could and do as many jobs as I could, as opposed to if I went to the major market, all I'd be doing is one job and then be on air. And I wanted to learn writing. I wanted to learn production. I wanted to learn how to do remotes and set up remotes and, and everything and in, in, in music and being a music director and so on and so forth. So I figured there was more to learn if I stayed in the smaller markets. And then I also thought if they're offering me Toronto when I'm 20, I can only get better and they'll offer it to me again. So that was my thought process behind that. But you have to do as much as possible. And I'm so grateful that I did get to, I was producing my own commercials. I set up my own remotes. I wrote uh, promos and commercials. I learned how to do Music Master. Very, uh, I have a basic knowledge of it now, but um, you know, there were so many different things I could learn and, and I become a well-rounded broadcaster as a result. Then I got into being an imaging producer as well as the afternoon drive host in Kelowna. Did you enjoy that? I loved it. It was great. It was, it was just, I, I never got bored because I was doing so many different things and I could multitask. So now you have to, you have to do the same damn thing, even as a program director, at least I do. But I'm not, I, I enjoy it because I, I can hopefully inspire and lead by example and show my team that there's no job too small. And you have to go that extra mile and take care of the details and, and to make great radio. And this is where I get a little frustrated sometimes with, you know, people are saying, oh, radio's dying. Radio's dying. They've been saying that for years with TV and podcasts and satellite sure. radio. And we still hold true and, and strong. But as radio programmers and people in the industry, I believe that we are shooting ourselves slowly in the foot by not because we're wearing so many hats and then we lose the energy and we don't want to do that extra thing or put in the extra time to create something super fantastic. Shortcuts. Yeah. And, and it's just and then, you know, for example, and yeah, I'm going to brag a little bit here. At Boom, we, we, we take specialty days like um, Halloween, for example. People mm -hmm. play some a few spooky IDs or whatever, fun IDs, and play Werewolves of London and, and you know, uh, Frankenstein by Edgar Winter. And, oh, there we go. We're done. No, that's not enough. And I, and I, and I thank so much for my, my, my bosses, Steve Jones and Steve Parsons, for kicking me in the ass and making me do go the extra mile and cover all the details. So now we have a four or five hour, six hour show on Halloween that is specifically devoted to Halloween and the experience. We take movie clips and TV clips from big Halloween shows, fuse them over the intros of songs that sync up. Like for example, um, what's the movie with uh, where she clubs the guy, he's a writer, he gets step misery. Is it oh, misery? Yeah. So oh, we yeah, take we take the scene from Misery where he's tied to the bed and she and she hobbles him. Yeah. And, you know, we got the screams. We got and we play out the scene. And underneath that, you can hear it slowly build is ELO evil woman. And then nice. she hits the post and then you made a fool of me. And then we go into evil woman. And, you know, there's so many different songs and, and movies that you can sync up and take that really good big clip and then find the song that it fits perfectly with and then hit the post. And holy fuck, it's a listening orgasm. So I try to do that with all these specialty days. Uh, Valentine's Day, I call it. Uh, we do the same thing with movies and TV shows yeah. and love scenes and sync them up with other love songs. And we do a whole freaking day of playing nothing but love songs because we've got classic hits and we have the ability to do that with the genres that we play and the different uh, decades of music. It's a it's just a potpourri of awesome tunes and, and audio that we can link up together and make for an incredible listening experience. So that's where I'm kind of going is we need to find opportunities like that in this industry and just blow them the fuck up so we can have a great holy shit did you hear what they did on this station today and, so, and get people talking about it because otherwise they're going to go listen to the freaking spotify or their itunes and shit like that and radio's just left in the dust 
So here's the thing. If you're listening to this live or you're listening to this on demand later, I'm just going to slow your roll for a minute. And we're going to talk about Troy McCollum and we're going to talk about what he just did for us. Okay. Because by the way, this is the second time that he's brought it up. If you weren't listening, he talked about listener expectation. And when you lower listener expectation again and again and again, the end result is nothing. But when you elevate that expectation, whether it is we want callers to call the radio station, we encourage callers to, you remember that part of the conversation, Troy? Mm -hmm. You're the same guy through this entire interview, because here you are talking about special events, about what, uh, uh, crossing the T's and dotting the I's, doing the details to give listeners an experience that is wholly different from anything else and certainly different from, uh, let's listen to a um, playlist, right? It's it's what you do between the records. You, you've heard this a million times, right? Mm -hmm. So... I love that you did that on the radio rally, that right there, okay? So I'm gonna ask, what is your favorite thing about being the programmer of Boom? There's a lot. Um, one thing I really love doing is, is, is inspiring people and encouraging people to find their best and to you know, kind of push them a little bit that they've got it in them. Um, you know, I, I love working with people that I've, I've worked with people that have had zero experience, but I've, I've heard something in their voice or the way that they delivered it. I hired them. I brought them on. I coached them. And now, you know, they're doing incredible things way bigger. They outgrew me and the station and they're, and yeah, they're, they're, they're living their true self. It's all because you're that guy. You know, you, you remember riding along in the truck with the guy with the cigars, right? Yeah. You're now that guy. And yeah. to have somebody like you in Toronto doing this and showing and leading the way and the lead by example, meaning that you're doing minutiae and details that sometimes get you down, but you do it anyway, is really incredible. And I appreciate you being our guest on the Encouragers here on the Radio Rally. All right. Well, I, I appreciate it too, man. And I, and I thank you uh, for inviting me. And hopefully I didn't drop too many F-bombs that will turn into No, off. You know, I could just say that I appreciated every <laughs> one of them. I found it to be an emotional act center of what was going on. So it's fine, yeah. Troy, if it's all right with you. I'd like to ask you to hang out with us for a few minutes in case someone from our audience might have a question for you. Would that be okay? As long as it's not a math question, I'm good. All right. Now, anything that involves the F-bomb, we got you covered here. Listen, <laughs> okay. we are going to open up the room in case you, you've got a question for our guest. Of course, you can push the button at the bottom of your iPhone or your Android device and raise your hand. That lets us know that you want to speak on stage. We always like to let people know this other option, too, because we found that a lot of people don't like to come up and do that kind of thing. So they'll just send me a question through the I am part of the Clubhouse app, which is also easy to do. If you do that, I'll ask the question for you. It's no big deal. We do ask that if you do ask to come up onto the stage live, that you mute your mic until we call on you. Don't forget, uh, you can go to our free blog anytime at RainmakerPathway.com. This is for anybody in the radio business. Creative ideas, solutions for different things, uh, ideas and concepts uh, that follow a path on programming, creativity for morning shows, uh, what your sales department can do to increase revenue. You can get it all at RainmakerPathway.com. Look in our free blog section. Don't forget to join us. Uh, Wednesdays on Clubhouse Live for Innovation and Audio. It is what becomes our second podcast every week. On Wednesday, our live events, we deal with real-world innovation and undeniable innovators. This is to inspire innovation. We bring people to this event that you may not otherwise meet to talk about how you create environments that encourage innovation, mostly outside the radio industry, so nobody gets confused about my thing is better than your thing or whatever. 
it's our way to give you a different creative perspective about change, creativity itself, and of course, innovation. This Wednesday, just two days from right now, our live innovation and audio event will feature Irene Sabati, and she is a, an MBA, Harvard instructor, innovation and strategy consultant. She does this work all over the world. Corporate trainer, an entrepreneur in San Francisco, California, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific this Wednesday. It's going to be a really interesting event, I promise. I have done my research, and I know it is going to be captivating. Okay, Troy, so I do have this question from our IM portal. Um, do you have a dream job beyond your current job today? You've got this really cool job in Toronto at Boom. Where do you go from here? Do you have a dream job from here? That's funny. I know I've, I've asked myself that so many times. Um, I, I, uh, I don't want to be, a, I don't have any inspirations to be a general manager because I hate math and I'm terrible with numbers. I want to be a creator. I want to be a motivator, someone who inspires. Um, I, I, part of my title is yes, event leader for uh, 16 classic hits radio stations in Canada. I'm sorry, say that one more time. We missed that. I'm I'm the brand and I'm also the brand and content leader for the classic hits uh, radio stations we have in Stingray. So okay. I I kind of oversee 16 radio stations in Stingray across the country. So I'm kind of kind of doing it now, um, but you know I I. I, I love what I've been doing with Boom and the team that I've been working with, and I'd be open to more such uh, projects if I can help a radio station or help people get better with their jobs. I don't know what that title is called, but... Oh, it's called consultant. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm yeah. just going to tell you. But so... I'd be the consultant that everybody likes. Oh, um... nice. <laughs> nice. Well, you know, you know I, I think that's a very interesting point because you have a lot of old school consultants who have always done it a certain way, right? Yeah. And today, it's much more of a immersive team sport people are doing so many things and and i think people respect the idea that you rope them into the creative part of the business and you go look you know this better than i do i can help you by giving ideas but you know what's right for your market right yeah yeah no i i love it i'm i'm grateful this business has been so good to me and if I can give back in any form or fashion or help people along the way, I'm all in. I just find it so gratifying and, and I'm, and I love it. I'm, I'm blessed. I have fun. I have a fun job and I've had this fun job for 35 plus years. I love this story of yours and especially the way you live it with your attitude. All right. Final question here. And this is a good one. I think you may judge it differently. We'll see. Um, You've done a lot of work in different parts of Canada. What do people in the U.S. you think miss about Canada? What do they not get about Canadians and Canada? And what is it? Oof. Ah, what do Americans not get about? Well, we don't live in igloos, and it's not cold all the time. Uh, you do have snow in states in the U.S. So absolutely, and it's and we get probably the same amount of snow as you get in Ohio that we do in Toronto. So, uh, you know, the further north you go, the colder it gets. That just makes sense. Well, it um, does. Canada's a very big country. But, uh, you know, we, we are, I think we're, we're a funny people. We're a passionate people. Um, but we're also kind of like, meh, you know, when it comes to certain things. We're, we're, we're very patriotic, but patriotic to a degree and i'm just speaking for myself here but yes, you know, of course. I, I just uh i just find that we're like yeah we love our country but we're not you know we're not gonna fight you we're not gonna lose about our it here. we're not gonna yeah we're not gonna lose our shit on you if you don't like us well that's your problem um so i love that you have a way with language to just get it down to one of those words <laughs> <laughs> yes yes i have that knack Yes, nothing wrong with it. You know, editing during the process is always good. Listen, yeah. 
we do try to keep things to about an hour. One of the great things about our live events is we really feel confident about our guest. We invite people for specific reasons, and you certainly have hit it out of the ballpark in terms of really being uh, Professor Radio tonight a little bit for us and talking especially about expectations, and I want to thank you for that. Oh, thank you. Thank you for joining us every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific for the Radio Rally. Remember, if you know somebody that you would like to hear as a guest on the Radio Rally, you can email me directly, F-O-R-D at RainmakerPathway.com. We hope that you have a great week like we say at Rainmaker Pathway and on the Radio Rally. Once you have a radio station, you can get anything else you want. Don't know what that means? Uh, reach out. I'll be glad to explain it. Our thanks to Troy McCollum for being a great guest from Boom 97.3 in Toronto. And of course, he was nothing but patient with me and a giving guest, which I suspect is what he's like as a programmer as well. A special thank you to Joe Kelly for producing the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast, which should be available in uh, the next little while, uh, just about anywhere that you can get your podcast. We'd like to thank JustJoeProductions.com for creating our audio footprint and distributing our podcast. Please do share both of our podcasts, the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast and the Encouragers Innovation and Audio podcast. Plus, you're going to find very interesting guests on both of those podcasts. And of course, uh, that's for anybody interested in growing their careers in radio or audio. Both podcasts are available on Apple, Audible, Spotify, and almost anywhere you get your podcast. Remember, if you don't remember anything else from this live event and podcast other than listener expectations are really important people please remember be kinder than you have to be thank you for being a part of the radio rally and the encouragers and good night